And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, in a moment to roll in the new year of 2022, which means it's just now time to look back at the year that was 2021 in film. Uh, We kind of teased that this was coming, but we have a special top 10 episode today for the great listeners, Michael. Yes, and thank you to all our listeners for making uh, Mm -hmm. 2021 such a banner year for us. Uh, We really did well. We really grew a lot, and that's because of all you guys. So once again, we wish you the happiest of new years and let's start off by going backwards which is what we're going to do for the next three months michael so this is (laughs) we're going to look back at 2021 for the next three or four months it's march 27th we're go we're going to march 27th but uh, look at we're going to have so much cool programming to come tried and true mike mike and oscar programming from category reviews to uh, specials that i look forward to the year round oscar bets our our final Mm -hmm. preview uh, our nomination monday a lot of cool stuff coming and i think this is kind of an episode we have tried to do in the past but we couldn't get our shit together this year we somehow (laughs) got our shit together because we're both like our top tens are set we might as well do top tens when top tens are in season this is top 10 season mike it is top 10 season and we are a bit of ahead of the game, but it's also, I mean, there's a couple caveats, right? We haven't, we're going to rank our top 10 films of the year for the Academy of Mike one and also Mike respectively, but we also have some more reviewing to do on the horizon. We haven't gotten to absolutely everything yet. No, not absolutely everything. And we wanted to make a few caveats like Cyrano. Uh, we didn't get to see Cyrano during the festivals and it's coming out the end of January here. The humans, I don't know about you, but I've tried to watch the humans now this morning again, five times. I've tried to watch it five times. Everybody says it's good. I believe them. I believe them. People I trust say it's good. It bores me to tears and I'm like half working, half not. Anyway, the humans can't do it yet. So uh, not something that will sneak into your top 10. Anyway, I doubt it, but yeah. I love the people in it. I got to just mm-hmm. shut the laptop and watch it. But a hero compartment number six, the good boss. A lot of these international films come to us later. A couple docs that are still escaping me. Simple as water, fire, day, die. Uh, Mike, I know you got a couple as well that you're gonna weigh in in. Yeah, there's stuff that you've uh, that that you've hit on that I haven't had a chance yet. I've still not w- yet watched Power of the Dog. I was gonna watch it last night, but I actually How ended up watching The Lost Daughter you even instead. Admit that. So what? I know. Well, what, I know. All right. So what's the what's the hesitation then? You haven't watched Power of the Dog because you you edited that episode, so you know what happens in the movie. I think that's part of it. It's yeah. like, well, I already I I know what happens. I get it. <laughs> But I will get around to it. I just haven't I haven't taken the dive yet. And I know it's gonna be like this heart wrenching kind of slog uh. that I'm gonna have to like be mentally prepared for. And so I watched The Lost Daughter instead, like I said, which was not an heart wrenching and a I slog. Think, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So that's what I did. I also have yet to see Drive My Car, but I have been uh, crushing a lot of international features lately. The Best movie I've seen all year, well, other than my number one on this list, uh, the best movie I saw all year was I Saw the Devil, which was one that came out a couple of years ago from nice. South Korea. You've been a big proponent of that, so I've been kind of taking in uh, some Bong Joon-ho movies, some other South Korean movies. That's kind of where my concentration's been, but I will get to drive my car. Uh, but those were the, probably the two biggest caveats uh, missing from my list and my watch list anyway. And me, I watched Babette's Feast on HBO Max <laughs> last night because it's about food. I looked up the greatest food movies of all time, and I'm laying low this New Year's, and I'm like, all right, oh let me watch God. a food movie with family, and I did. I watched Babette's Feast. Mm-hmm. How was that? How was the feast? It looked delicious, except okay, I good. don't want to see like live animals that are going to be feasted upon. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's too TMI, so FYI, you know. <laughs> 
H I J K. It was either that or Eat Drink Man Woman, which looks delicious. I think I should have picked that one. That's on Tubi. And there's apparently like a 10 minute scene leading into it. It's just all cooking. It's like the guy's a great chef, the father of the family. You need to watch Seinfeld because all I have are Seinfeld jokes, right? Like (laughs) about food movies, the the, the cured meats next to the nightstand while you have sex. Yeah, there's a whole you got (laughs) to. But anyway, um, (laughs) that obsession aside, let's talk about some of our honorable mentions and go through uh, what didn't make the top 10 here of our own personal top 10 list. Mike, uh, what do you have? Yeah, I have a lot of international films and documentaries because I saw so many films at film festivals this year, which was a privilege. It was a privilege to get out there and go. It was a privilege to watch them virtually. And like Tatan and Ninja Baby, Tatan was an awesome experience at New York. Uh, Flea, Petite Maman, Drive My Car, as you mentioned, uh, The Worst Person in the World, The First Wave, even Riders of Justice, which is on Hulu now. You know, these are cool movies that I, I was fortunate enough uh, most to see most of uh, while I was out there and uh, yeah I wanted to shout them out but I don't know there's a lot of good movies on the same level for me this year which I'll get into more in a minute yeah so I, I do feel like the subjectivity of this particular list it, it's just pronounced at least for me so maybe yeah. that says something about me where I didn't pick all the international films I picked some American films still but I mean they, they spoke to me uh, how about you what are the obvious honorable mentions for you yeah, I, I'm the same way. A lot of my grades are very, very similar. Like the cutoff is 85, but I had some 85s that didn't make the list. A lot of documentaries, which I don't. It's tough to grade documentaries against regular films. Huh. Uh, uh, Billy Eilish was the Billy Eilish doc was up. The Untold Danbury right. Thrashers documentary was up. <laughs> yes, the Malice uh, in the Palace documentary that's on Netflix I really liked. Gave that an 85 as well. As far as uh, traditional films that just missed missed the cut, Spencer, Tick, Tick, Boom, Shang-Chi, those are all up there for me. I really liked The Guilty. I know you didn't and you thought it was cartoonish, but I I still gave it a a high, strong B grade. That's my... uh, I'll say this. I think Jake Gyllenhaal in The Guilty would have done great in Scream 1. Especially at the end, as an actor, by the way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. But yeah, those are the the ones that just missed the cut for me that I wanted to give a shout out to. Um, my my list is offensive. No. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like we're gonna pick some movies that just spoke to us. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's the fun of these lists, though. I think because everybody's lists, especially in this particular year, where I think the movies are on kind of the similar levels very very close yeah yeah i don't i don't feel like there's these unequivocal masterpieces that we all must bow down to and worship like has been the case in some previous years movies that you and i have disagreed about famously or movies (laughs) that we agreed about in episodes like this and just kind of put on the on a pedestal in that masterpiece level that that i don't think we necessarily i mean i don't know if we have this year maybe we've got to study movies more but I do think there's a depth to the field this year. So, like, I want, I'm more receptive to other people's lists, your list for, for whatever reason. But no, <laughs> I'm more receptive. I'm going to seek out a lot of lists this year. I've already retweeted some. I'll continue to do that. And it's also, I mean, I don't think our top movies are going to be not vying for best picture winning. You know, like, I don't think they're going to be in, the, in the, the true race. They may make the field, but I don't know that they're going to actually have a shot to win best picture. So we're not falling in line with the, uh, the traditional well, Academy lens, which, which we don't do anyway. I kind of do. I kind of have. I don't know. I mean, look at I mean, yours. Right. My, yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah, some of yours might. You're right. You're right. You're right. You don't have the big one. That's God the quote unquote front runner. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. Let's start with number ten. Uh, what was your number ten on your list of ten, Michael? 10th come on, come on. Yeah. Mike Mills, Joaquin Phoenix, Gabby Hoffman, Woody Norman, A24. This was my favorite film at the New York Film Festival. Come on, come on. It was after one of my very best meals at PJ Clark's, and I'm talking <laughs> lobster How much roll. does that have to do with the uh, the memory of Come On, Come I on. was just satiated. Clam mm. chowder. Good God almighty, I was content. <laughs> and I'm wearing a hoodie and jeans because it's like my 18th day on the festival. I'm not even dressing up anymore. I give up. I walk into the theater <laughs> just on time, barely early, and immediately Mike Mills and Joaquin Phoenix come come out, and they're dressed like me. And mm-hmm. especially Joaquin, a hoodie and jeans. And I'm just like, this is this is where I belong. This is where I should be. <laughs> the movie's a great New York City film. Uh, it's a great uncle movie. And two weeks later, I believe it was, I find out that I'm going to be an uncle for the first time. Lauren and John, congratulations. Aww. And, you know, so I look back at this very fondly. And uh, it's, it's just a hell of a movie. Mike Mills doesn't make bad bad films uh 20th century women and beginners and Mm -hmm. and and he's an academy favorite i I actually do my i do think this may gain some momentum but great dinner great movie uncledom (laughs) joaquin phoenix wear wear that wear that uh sweatshirt to your movie premiere in new york i I love you guys yeah you and i have very similar feelings about our number 10s because Mm -hmm. uh my my number 10 also tugs at my heartstrings and left a big impact on my life and it's something i care for deeply because of uh not so much familial connections or ties but more so spite against everyone else house of gucci is my number 10 and i don't care you could all go screw i listen it's the best time i've had at a theater in years we had literal years and and i i don't care how ridiculous and over the top and it all is it was a fun story it was a fun time at the theater i think that stuff should matter it's tied with like shang chi had like the same grade and and a couple of the documentaries i mentioned had the same grade but i I just wanted to mention house of gucci i always like giving my number 10 spot to something a little more ridiculous and i'm still pushing for this to actually get a legitimate best picture nomination at the end of the day from the academy (laughs) because that'll be that'll make me know that everything's going to be okay at the end of this world or this pandemic era world we live in now i do think that me being as italian as i am has something (laughs) to do with this right can i take a little bit of credit somehow (laughs) I guess. Because you, sure, go ahead. Because we decided last second to like see this movie together. We were mm-hmm. going to be in you know different theaters under the same moon, but mm-hmm. we decided. And, I, and it was funny to talk to each other before the film. Like this is gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and I, I, you're like, I can't wait for Jared Leto. I'm like, I'm mm. going to fight Jared Leto. <laughs> and then he comes out. And it's it's me. <laughs> and then we're basically just, you know, elbowing each other the whole three hours yes. this movie took forever but it, it went by fast and you're right exactly like of all the 18 hour movies i've had to watch this year so far <laughs> like at least this one kept my interest and kept me laughing throughout and you know gaga from transylvania so seductive i want to suck your blood <laughs> i mean it's yeah it's really strange one of the stranger watches ever but i mean we were we were laughing out loud during mm-hmm. the sex scene too i mean there's mm-hmm. just so many moments that i'll never forget yeah, so see, like, you, said, you come on, come on, tugs your heartstrings because you're going to be a first-time uncle, and House of Gucci tugs my heartstrings because I'm a man that is composed of nothing but spite and anger. <laughs> <laughs> so those are our number 10s. They uh, encapsulate us as people. Mike, my number nine is Nobody, which is a movie that just kicks ass, all right? This is uh, 
Ilya Neshuler of uh, Hardcore Henry, which was too much motion sickness for me to get through. Because <laughs> you don't I, play video games, yeah. I can't do the video game thing, but Bob Odenkirk, like, he speaks to me in this movie because he got in, himself in the best shape of his life. Like, he gets out of his drama comedy lane. This is something we've always said we, we love when, mm-hmm. when actors do, when directors uh, get out of their lane to make something different. And here he is, just... I, some of the best fight scenes of the last 10 years. That bus scene... It's awesome. great. Uh, I mean, I, I can't get over the fact that he pulls it off. You add to the fact that you got one of the better movie villains, action movie villains, Yulian Kuznetsov, and one of the better team of good guys with Riza. And you can't believe it, but Christopher Lloyd. I, I just <laughs> absolutely, I absolutely uh, I can't recommend nobody enough to the guys, the steak eaters out there, the guys that want just a kick-ass action film. I don't think it's on a streaming service yet. I'm guessing it's coming soon, but uh, yeah, I mean, Universal, they, they had a big winner for me. I love that. I love coming off the beaten path. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of top tens that feature nobody uh, you know, this year as far as the best films of the year, but you've been high on that ever since you saw it in theaters. How do you think it like stacks up in terms of some of the more legendary action pictures like a John Wick franchise or even something like Shang-Chi we saw this year? I wonder if it had a finale that gave me another five minutes. But at the same time, the, the, the centerpieces are so good. And I just, it felt like a passion project from Odin Kirk. So I do think it stacks up. I do think it's going to go down as one of the better action films in a while, of the, definitely of the tw- last 20 years. For I'm so glad I'm glad you're riding a high off of nobody there. Um, I'm going to bring you down with something that I know you don't like because num- my number nine is Liquor's Pizza. I, I, I just went with the grading. I gave it a B85. It's mm-hmm. a fine enough movie. I can. I mean, if you go back and listen to our review, which was in our last ORC episode, I think our our complaints are legitimate. I, it wasn't enough to disqualify it from the top ten list for me, but I understand why people can't have it on um i tried to just separate it out as a movie and as a movie it's a good paul thomas anderson movie but again we're in this you know there's a lot of different directions you could take this if you want to get outraged about the stuff that you saw on screen and what it represents or versus how it looks on paper i completely let's understand. go tiktok let's go go get him <laughs> Get him. But I could also, you know. Seize I mean, him. If you take it as just a, a tragic, not even romance. I still don't think it's a rom-com at all. If you just right. Take Your interpretation tragedy. is very different than the yeah. mad people out there. Well, it's just, it's just seems, there's just, it's just so sad. It's so yeah. sad to watch that movie. Uh, and again, it's tied with a bunch of others. I just had to put it on there. I apologize. I'm, I'm trying to incite violence in you. Well, I, I apologize for both these uh, selections coming up. Uh, Liquor's Pizza from you. I, I apologize to all the Also Mike fans out there. No, I look, I think that the level of filmmaking is certainly there. And I just disagreed with script choices and casting choices. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. I, you know, I, I, I went 15 rounds, you know, just kind of, I, I almost feel like I was around and around trying to get my points across last week. Probably not my best episode. Uh, the last episode but i yeah it's it's a struggle for me it's a it's a wrestling match there's the highs are super high i mean that uh that truck sequence the bradley cooper stuff really funny you know there's there's definite highs to licorice pizza i wanted to like it more maybe that's why 
Yeah, could be. I'm you are, you've been a big PTA guy uh, historically. Um, moving on to your number eight, though, is something that I have a little higher on my list. It's the first time I think we're going to overlap. But uh, it's, again, something that I don't think is going to find its way into many top tens, especially not people that call themselves Oscars pundits top tens. Right. This is uh, this is an honest list. Again, we will say this is an honest <laughs> list because I could have put Pete Mopo in here, but I didn't. I put the Suicide Squad. And the Suicide Squad was like this big, giant MMO high five when we reviewed it, Mike. We... We love the evil comedy. We love the VFX, which hopefully it gets nominated for. Uh, I just watched it again two nights ago because I, I was going to like check myself. Like, is it still good? Or was I just like in a dark mood? <laughs> We've been in some dark moods this pandemic. But uh-huh. I don't know. It's just, it's just like a superhero film made for people who have seen every single other effing superhero film. It's subversive. It's unconventional. It's like uh, unpredictable even on rewatch, like if you forget things, it's like a brand gesture at time. It's awkward. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it really is. It can be awkward with how James Cunn, you know, treats some characters, but he also honors his principal characters. This is really good writing. Guardians of the Galaxy was my favorite film. I believe it was 2014. And uh, I just think that the comedy really works. That Harley Quinn sequence alone, worth the, worth the price of admission for me. That was my big takeaway on rewatch. I mean, King Shark. Uh, we would die for, for Ratcatcher <laughs> 2. We would die for these characters. We love them. Yeah, I absolutely love them. Uh, do you have plans on watching the Peacemaker series? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I, I don't think the trailers have all been good, but I am, I, I'm not going to be able to miss it. HBO Max. It feels like a, it does not feel like an HBO property to me. No, it's it's very strange, but they set it up really well, I think. And they got some of the goofiest shit. Like he's got a pet eagle. In the back seat of a car, like they're just hanging out, and the other guy, which is like a, uh, what was what was the Idris Idris Elba's character, Deadspin or Dead? No. Oh God. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Yeah. Anyway, Bloodsport. But he's got like this ninja guy who's like his sidekick, but he looks, he's like just a milk toast white guy <laughs> underneath the mask. So I'm like, I'm kind of laughing. I th- I, th- I think the I think it's got potential. So we'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, something that we both thought had potential. It, it landed well with me. It did not do so well with you. And it's been very polarizing throughout all of Twitter and the social media and film Twitter and punditry and wherever is my number eight. Don't look up. I still don't think it's a movie. A couple of the, like, I don't think House of Gucci is an actual movie. I think it's like, it's like a Muppets Christmas special. I don't think that, that, that licorice pizza is a real movie. You know, I don't think don't look up as a movie. I think it's a litmus test for what kind of cynic you are and how you view the country right now. Uh, it landed with me. I was laughing hard throughout multiple parts of that movie, despite yeah. the depression. And if the depression is too much for you to take, believe me, I understand. I get it. I, I completely, this is one of those movies where if you want to trash it and just talk bad about the whole thing, I get it from the performances on down to the script. I completely understand. I can't fight you, but I think that's in a way what it was made for. I think that's kind of the genius of Adam McKay. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. If we go back and listen to our review of vice, I think it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat peach preaching to the choir, but also, you know, he knows he's preaching to the choir to a certain extent. So I wonder if that has layers to it, but it, it don't, it could have been a little shorter. It's like an 86. I think I gave it 85 or 86. Uh, don't look up as my number eight. Very funny. Despite any criticisms from me in the last episode, best, Score of the year in my book, mm. uh, Nicholas Bertel of Succession. 
that trumpet is is awesome. That's a, that's an earworm score right there. Forty eight second track on Spotify. I'm with you there. I, I feel like you're drinking a bottle of your own tears through these first <laughs> few picks, which is starting to worry me. Not with House of Gucci, friend. <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, last two picks, but I did and picks coming up. So uh, I can't <laughs> criticize you, though, because here's the pot calling the kettle, because my number seven is mass. Yeah. <laughs> Rand Kranz, Jason Isaacs, Margaret Martha Plimpton and Dowd Reed Bernie. Best performances by an ensemble this year, in my opinion. I know it's just a. a, a four actor showcase in that regard, but like definitely one of the bright spots at the Sundance Film Festival to kick off 2021. Uh, I'm learning from my experience last year for this year, by the way. I think we'll do like a preview maybe on the next Oscar Race Checkpoint, guys, where, you know, I think I'm going to see 20 movies at this year's Sundance. I got wow. tickets for 12 of them. I got I got re- reservations for 12 of them right now. I'll probably get a few more. Uh, but, I, I like, I'm not going to see 40. Last year I saw 40 and it was way too much. <laughs> it's insane. It was totally insane. <laughs> Even 20 is a lot, to be honest. Like, cause you, yeah. I mean, if you're watching five movies, I, we just can't. I can't do that yeah. much. But this, this no, we uh, we won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Mass uh, does make you suffer, but it, it's worthwhile. Uh, yes, I've heard it called misery porn, and our buddy Eric Weber isn't that far afield. But it, I, if these characters are miserable. And they portray misery better than anybody I've seen in a long time in terms of acting. And I, they, they build up to it. It's not just it's not just Sandra Bullock in The Unforgivable just throwing shit around a room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that level of acting. It, it, it's very it's subtle and it, and, it, and it builds up and it's a pressure cooker. And they're atop my supporting categories right now for a reason. Fran Kranz, I do believe he should get. A best original screenplay. I don't think he will, but I think he should. This movie's on demand. Nobody saw it when it was in theaters. Is anybody watching it now? They know it's too heavy. Look, it's worth it. It might not be a Saturday night movie, but it might be a Wednesday night movie. And I think if uh, if you're embracing your pandemic quarantine, re-quarantining, then this is a, a heavy watch, but some that it's a fitting watch to, to fit your moods. It's crazy how much momentum that just kind of ceased to have in terms of any kind of awards, which is, you know, you felt over the springtime, it was everywhere and you couldn't get away. And Ann Dowd was going to be the slam dunk nomination. And now it looks like it might fall by the wayside completely when it comes time for Oscar. Noms. It, maybe it won't, maybe it'll have a late push because of its on-demand numbers. It has lost so much momentum yeah. that I almost think it reminds me of a Sundance movie from last year, like the father that lost yeah. so much momentum that I thought, at least in reading the tea leaves, it's like, there's no way it's going to win everything. Everything. And Ryan McQuaid was like, it's going to win everything. We should have listened. <laughs> and here, Mass, it could, could Mass be the same type of movie? Probably not, but it doesn't have the same narratives, but you never know. Well, both of our number sevens are dealing with grief in their own ways, and I think this is kind of a highlight of, like, yeah. I'm surprised this is here for me. I did not expect The Night House to be one of my top ten graded movies of the year, but I don't know how you handle your grading, but what I'll do is when I watch a movie, I'll give it the grade, and I'll kind of leave it. I will rarely go back and ever recheck the grades and kind of change them around and retrofit them and think this was better than the other. 
And the Night House is something that I, I look. I it held. It's up. a weird. It, it's a weird '86 for me because I don't remember having a lot of stuff that stuck with me weeks after putting it down. Like Rebecca putting, Hall, you loved her performance. Did yeah. love Rebecca Hall. Yeah, I remember enjoying the review with uh, you and Swell and talking about our theories about it. And I know it's a movie that makes us think. And we were, you know, uh, kind of upset it wasn't a little scarier and stuff like that. But. Again, I'm just going by the numbers here. I went through my document of I only got to 140 or some odd movies this year, um, but you know, only in quotes. But uh, it's there. It's one of the 86s for me. So I, I I have to put it here right now. The Night House is my number seven. I change my grades all the time. <laughs> no, like, do you? No, I, that's what of, I thought. I think most I, people do, actually. I do, and I, I famously do it because we give our grades out at the end of episodes and, and look they don't drastically change for me uh for the most part palm springs is, a, is an example where i had it like a b minus and it soared up my list uh, upon rewatches on but, rewatch yeah see that's that's the caveat i have not gone back to revisit on rewatch i will do the same and sound of metal last year was kind of the same thing i ended up bumping it up like three or four points on rewatch and maybe the night house is something i would bump down but just for you know, look, I've, I, I'm I'm happy with it. Like I'm surprised mm-hmm. by it, but I'm happy with it because I like horror being represented in my top ten. The same reason I like Doctor Sleep a couple years ago and Hereditary years before that. Get Out was my number one movie. I like. I, I, we're going to always be partial to horror, and when horror has something to say, I think it should be recognized. And the Academy clearly doesn't yet. You know what I do, Mike? I I compare movies of this year to movies of my last like however mm. many years because I got all my lists together. So sometimes I'm just screwing around and I'll look at a list from 2013 and I'll be like, all right, these were my grades in 2013. And that's kind of how I try to ground myself and ground my grades because then I'll, I'll think to the movies that I've seen. Obviously, I change grades on rewatch and I do. Like The Lost Leonardo was something I loved on first watch. Mm-hmm. I rewatched it. I was like, eh, it's all right. You know, I mean, it didn't, didn't really hold up. So I mm-hmm. dropped it a, a, bunch of, a bunch of points. But unfortunately, I, I can't. I can't escape my past. Uh, and <laughs> There's a movie trailer. <laughs> and then I just change my grades. So if people are a little frustrated with Oscar profiles that turn into uh, different grades down the line, that's that's what happens. So I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I, I, like, I always wanted to do that spiel, and I'm glad I hijacked your, uh, your number six hey. on my own. Just happy to be of service. Uh, <laughs> your number six is something that I, again, will have later on in my list, higher up. Uh, what do you got? King Richard, and I think King Richard delivered on our expectations Yeah, better than perhaps maybe any other movie, save one, this year. Like, we knew we were getting great performances, and we got them from Will Smith, Anjanou Ellis, Sanaya Sidney, Demi Singleton, John Barenthal. We knew we were getting great music from Chris Bowers. We knew that this was going to be WB's big uh, Oscars push. And it was just, like, one of the more satisfying sports movies, one of the better parenting movies in a long time. You're going to have a lot more to say about it. I just think... This was properly hyped from the film festival, and we got what we paid for. We got what we wanted. King Richard just delivered. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say, to be honest, because the biggest point I wanted to make, and, and I'll hijack your your King Richard point here, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's the only movie I saw this year, and this is about meeting expectations, that I, I felt 
should be a best picture contender going in. And when I watched, I thought, okay, that makes sense. This should, this can compete for best picture. Like right. that, that, that stereotypical, that historical feeling of when you watch something that's not taking you by surprise, that lives up to the hype, that sets your, you know, meets your expectations and is still one of the best movies of the year. Again, it was a weird year in that there's a lot of similarly graded movies for me, but the reason I have King Richard so high is because I expected best picture quality work from it. And I feel like it lived up to its expectations. And I, I'm again, I'm really surprised that that's not a more widespread feeling. I thought this would be something that would at least compete in the top three or four slots for Best Picture. Maybe it still will. we got a little time left before voting, but it just hasn't gotten to that level yet. we got a lot of time left yeah. before voting, hopefully, I think. And this is the type of movie that I would expect to do better later because the field comes back to it. Sure. And and that is my hope for it. And even though you know it got out as a front runner in, in a couple acting categories, or at least the acting category will smith i could see the 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 uh, the sags coming back to him i could see Mm -hmm. people coming back to him but look i mean we're gonna have to read the tea leaves we're gonna have to break it down i do think it's quite the race because cumberbatch is taking out you know taking a Mm -hmm. stranglehold on the critics right now so it's gonna be an open race in in lead actor it's not this sewn up agree you know uh, coronation that felt like yeah felt like for months it was going to be that coronation but yeah I, i agree with you it seems like it's going to be tighter Mike, your number six is is another movie that I I, I almost put on here because it's it's been, you know, th- hurtling up my list. It might be the best animated film that Disney Animation Studios has had in like two decades. Hmm. Like aside from Pixar, you know, if you two, those two studios are separate from each other, and Canto, I still say I don't understand how it's not like entrenched as one, and it seems like a four picture race or at least a three picture race if you go by Vegas odds for animated feature. I think Encanto and Flea should be kind of a neck and neck thing, and Encanto is just really, really well done. I have my drawbacks with it, and again, this comes back to I think, look, the majority of the films I have in my top ten. Are, I think the highest one I gave an 88 to. So everything's in like right. that 86 to 88 range. Everything's very close and they, they all have their kind of low lights for me. And Encanto isn't different among those. I think it's a little too high concept to be a kid's movie. I think the ending comes too quickly, but man, it's like an hour and 47 minutes of just joy and joyous music and a good message for children and stunning animation, truly stunning animation. A good message for us as men yeah. children as well. <laughs> exactly that too. <laughs> so no, I, I this it's so rewatchable. Like I, I'm probably gonna put it on again, and and the the, the original song, Dos Orgitas, so uh, so Two good. Caterpillars. Uh, wow, it's good. It, it it's so much better than I thought it was on first listen, and it means so much to the movie. Uh, I, I'm looking at Encanto as as a as a much bigger contender like you than we think. And I don't understand it. I, I don't. I, I mean, I can't be that and King Richard right now are my two. What is everyone waiting for? Type. There things. are wild cards in the category. Flea's a wild sure, card in sure. the category. Uh, Mitchell and the Oscars machines. puzzle attached to Flea. Yeah. How how do people want to handle Flea for the most part? Do they want to crown it in all three categories? Do they want to you know why do they want to play it? Do they want to give it more credit as an animated feature? To give something else doc feature and you know yeah there's all that at play. I agree. So it, it could shake out differently. Like we're, we're not saying Encanto's definitely going to win, but I guess you know if we had to put a bet down right now, I I, I would agree with you. Encanto would would be where my money would go. But uh, you know we'll see. We're, we're three three and a half four months. We got four months yet, Mike. Oh my God, <laughs> Coda Coda is both our number fives. Coda is on yeah. Apple TV Plus. It's another beginning of the year Sundance darling that has. 
legs and that doesn't always happen but this is encouraging for the fact that we do a year-round show michael because we do a year-round show about this stuff people uh sean heater <laughs> amelia jones troy concert marley matlin daniel durant eugenio Derbez, amy foresight uh, foresight ferdia walsh pilo i wanted to mention the, the cast names because they're all so good in this just so good it again it's adorable but it also is edgy and funny it's conventional but there's also like these blowout arguments between characters where they're just going for the jugular and you get this you know these serious family issues played out in this you know happy high school glee type plot line somehow so it manages to be so many things which is probably why i felt like when i first saw it at sundance like this feels like a best picture this feels yeah you're on it early very much like something that should be nominated that is typically nominated because it's it's this it's this archetypal story with teeth and it's it's got the message and it's got you know the, the it, it's got the issue of this uh underrepresented group at the center of it and yeah we need, and we need that that's the sign of brilliant filmmaking it reminds me of little women in a way it's like well how could that movie be so relatable to everyone and coda you know how could coda with what it has at its center be so relatable this girl wants to go to a you know a musical school and she's dealing she's a child of deaf adults it really is and i think that's part of its appeal too is how universal it is when you actually sit down and watch it and i think that's kind of also why it's maintained its momentum i mean this is kind of i understand it's apple tv and apple's a giant studio but this is like for me, the little movie that still can and and could, and it looks like it's going to be taken seriously as something that might end up in the best picture field at the end of the day, that best picture 10, as it's still being taken seriously every time there's an awards slate that comes out. It's such a crowd pleaser that I wouldn't look past it either, yeah. especially in like a, a screenplay category. And uh, yeah, we've, we've seen these actors play better than we thought at uh, these early award shows, Troy Kotzer. He might be Troy Kotzer's getting more momentum. Amelia Jones is getting in a couple categories. She, totally. she gets taken more seriously. Yeah, this this one it, it will not go away, and for good reason. And I mean, I think that's proof. But again, it's another one I did not expect to have as high as I have it. But number five on my list. It's a universal story about a a, a group of people who haven't had their story told before, which is what I so think, important. I I just think that's such a heartening thing for. Yeah for the academy for for their mission these last 20 years and you know since they get their heads out of their butts kind of thing and <laughs> we can finally, all dream can't we <laughs> we're not a retrospective podcast for a reason all right uh, i'll jump to my number four did not expect to have this few documentaries here but this is my only documentary of my top 10 the first wave is my number 11 but the Rescue is my number four. The Rescue is now on Disney Plus, Nat Geo. Guys, go watch this movie. This is the directors of Free Solo, Elizabeth Chai, Vassar Helyi, and Jimmy Chin. They're actually like climbing or spelunking in this case <laughs> because they usually climb mountains to film their, you know, subjects. But here they're in caves. And I mean, this is a documentary about that true to life event of uh, five years ago. Mm. where the kids were lost in a cave in the Philippines and the entire Filipino army, so many heroic soldiers and emergency workers banded together with an international contingent of cave divers, many from Great Britain and Australia and uh, I forget what they call the, the pact of countries uh, that used to be the British Empire. The European Union. 
European Union. Anyway, well, no, it's something else. It's like the uh, the I, anyway Brexit. No, uh, white guys is what I'm saying. This is oh, like okay. <laughs> this is like a mid '90s action film Caucasus. where fifty-year-old white guys. Yeah, like, how has this not been made by Paul Greengrass and Tom Hanks yet? <laughs> like, what are they doing? Like, this is the perfect next project for them. They've made a they've made careers built on this, and it's just it's about you know more than one culture working together to to save lives and it's a true story so there's the pressure cooker aspect to it there's the accessibility to us dumb white people mm. where we get to have these surrogates dealing with the situation that they've they'd never imagined they'd mm. have to deal with and it just plays like this 1990s disaster film whether it's dante's peak or daylight or twister armageddon even at at times it's just it's got this awesome tempo to it and it just works the rescue i'm glad to see documentaries represented too on one of our top tens because it was a great year for documentaries overall if you're like as it has been the last few years to be honest despite what that branch of the academy always puts us through mentally and emotionally Flea, so summer of soul like these, yeah. yeah these are good movies available to everybody uh go watch them and go watch the Danbury Thrashers doc, too, on Netflix, <laughs> goddamn you all. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, I'm not going to lie. It's in my top 15. It almost made this list. Um, we My number four is The Suicide Squad. We already kind of touched on it. It's I find that I'm I'm caring less about, like, can you live up to your Oscars best picture witness <laughs> in this pandemic and more, way more about, like, can you just keep me interested for the runtime of your movie? And there have been a lot of movies that are so-called contenders that have failed to do so. And so if you see me leaning more towards the blockbustery affair, I mean, yeah, they're blockbusters and they're big budget movies and, like, how can you take them seriously? Sure, I get that, but... Man blockbusters have been good stories the last few years, especially the uh, the adaptations done by WB and Marvel specifically. And I think that's why we're so high in a lot of these movies, and The Suicide Squad is no exception. We're very happy that some of these movie events are paying off in our top tens at the end of the day. Because, again, year-round programming, and this is cool to see. Uh, it's cool to see DC in this list for yeah. both of us. So it's not just the MCU snobbery from MMO. We got DC films back on this list. We were huge DC fans all the while. I mean, I spent a lot of this year, like, I, I wanted to watch a lot of animated films that, that mm -hmm. are blind spots for me. So I watched a bunch of anime films. I watched a bunch of DC animated films, which were awesome. The Batman animated films are like, awesome. some of them are spectacular. I watched the Flashpoint one on HBO. Yeah. They're all on HBO Max. So it's like, mm -hmm. that's what I've been watching on HBO Max. The, uh, you know, Studio Ghibli and the Batman animated films, and they're kick-ass. A lot of them are just kick-ass movies, so it, it's really cool to see the Suicide Squad just done better <laughs> than the original. Yeah, it is. That we were to kind be, of bummed I mean, out yeah, by. And, yeah. and say what you want about the Ayers cut and all that stuff that's out there, and, you know, we've talked about... <laughs> mob mentality a lot in the past and how studios shouldn't listen to it. but it's it's it you're right it's cool to see for as great as marvel hits on everything it's nice to see dc not get bogged down when they miss and they're just like you know what we're gonna run it back and we're gonna put it in james gunn's hands this time we're gonna get it right and yeah. i i thought they they mostly got it right i mean yeah, there's still some abrasive moments to the film like i get why some people don't love it like uh, you know our sick asses love love the suicide squad but yeah but still. you know what i mean there are people who love licorice pizza you know what i mean like <laughs> different strokes different abrasiveness for different folks you know i think 
pizza and licorice should go together. No, that's not. I'm gonna stop making that joke. Just, I'm, I'm gonna just gonna shove eat it the down just your gonna, face. On I'm just Oscar's gonna eat night. the fucking thing like right before the Academy Awards start, and then I, I'll miss the whole show, I guess, by no. your logic. Our top threes are going to uh, they're they're why you are so worldly and why I am not. And uh, you're going to impress everyone. I'll say right now, my number three is King Richard, which we already talked about. And I already said my piece on. But now you're going to be a schnob and upstage me here. So what's your number three, you Look fucking it, critic? I'm not that much of a schnob, which is a great pronunciation by you. Uh, look, at this is the London Film Fest Audience Award winner. Like, this is a hit. This, is, this movie's coming out soon. I can't find its release date. But Hit the Road from Iran is... Little Miss Sunshine, but mm. Iranian. This movie is hilarious. This movie is, I mean, it's sad and beautiful, but it's this family road trip movie that's funny. It's probably the funniest movie of the year for me. I'm laughing my idiot at butt off. I was, it was just unexpected, which maybe is, I don't know, maybe it's half the charm, but this movie charmed, charmed me from start to finish. This kid is a great young actor. These the mom and dad are so exasperated the whole time. They're just like, they're like show folk almost like nothing surprises them no matter what happens. And it, it has like this serious payoff, but it just work works. I loved every minute of hit the road. I know David long and I are running arm in arm across the finish line on hit the road. <laughs> he saw it at BFI London film fest. I saw it with AFI and, uh, this was a big hit for me. I cannot wait to watch this again. I, I, I highly recommend it to you and every every one of our listeners. So th- I'm kind of cheating with this entry, Mike, because mm. it didn't come out in, in the U.S. this year. But it was eligible for the Oscars this year, I believe. A hero beat it out, which makes me want to see a hero all the more. We haven't seen that one yet no, from yeah, Oscar Farhadi. That. So th- that's got to mean a hero is going to deliver. I feel like three and two are you just placating to the Oscars audience so you can have some one with some credibility and respectability left when you level them with it. But you might as well go ahead. What's your number two, Mike? You My number it. two is Belfast. Nah, no, nah. I saw it three times. I can't. I can't. I saw Kick Richard three times. I saw Belfast three times. I saw Coda three times. I saw these movies. How many times? I'm gonna watch these movies again and again and again and again. I don't understand your misgivings with it to me it's just a crowd pleaser you know what my it's misgiving again. is you know what my misgiving is people like you <laughs> people like, like I, you are my misgiving belfast is a fine movie i enjoyed it too it's a it's yeah. a fine movie we get two of them every other year i like movies like this you know I like... that movie with j-lo and owen wilson that's on the previews now that she's like sees him in the crowd and she's like okay i'll marry you out of nowhere but this is everybody's uncle's favorite movie or aunt's favorite movie because it's probably it's probably like the Van Morrison crowd. It's probably meant for the older audience, but I'm just like I'm old, I guess. I, it's, I just can't fight anymore. But I mean, the irresistible characters, they're all adorable. Kenneth Branagh directs like his family members his memory his fond memories of all his family members jamie dornan katrina balf play his parents jude hill plays himself kieran hines judy dench plays his grandparents of old and it's this this true story that works in the heavy stuff but even the heavy stuff doesn't get too heavy which is maybe why i just was able to enjoy this movie start to finish times three you're in the majority. It's still 
pulling its weight as the leader in a couple major Oscars category. I think it's still a front runner for Best Picture, as a matter of fact, even all these months later. And again, I would say, I mean, I have the same wonder that I did about Nomadland last year, maybe even more so because 2021 was more uh, populated with bigger movies than 2020 was. But it's not the typical wire-to-wire front runner that I would expect for Best Picture. I would expect it to be tripped up. It doesn't yeah. seem to have done so yet. It's I don't see any reason why it would because it still is something that a lot of people love and it is as charming as you make it out to be. I mean, it's that good of a movie and you feel that close to the characters and you are that drawn to it. I agree with everything uh you say. So, again, I'm not bewildered as to why so many people love it. I totally get it. It just didn't do that for me is all. I don't know, dude. I've had lists. These top, like, go back to my top ten list. I don't have a lot of best picture front runners in my top five. I, I think you have more yeah. major contenders, whether it's Black Panther or Get Out. Yeah, you know, in your top ones or twos or threes of the past. I don't know. Typically, I'm for whatever reason, I'm either deep deep cuts like hit the road because I'm a dork, uh, or I I pick the big. You know, I I had we both had. Do we both have Endgame number one? Oh no, we had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over it, uh, which was that the year. best movie of the year and should have won Best Picture. I'm it was pretty, there. pretty darn good. Uh, pretty darn good. We technically have the same number one, except I turned into a bit of a snob. So my two <laughs> is your one. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about it at the same time here, though. It's Spider-Man: No Way Home. What an experience in a movie theater. And again, yeah. times three. Yeah. I've never like we we went to film festivals where you know Andrew or myself had had these huge uh, standing ovations involved, where we had you know chatter with the directors yelling at the screen. And Mike, I'd never heard a louder, more joyous cheer. Than what I heard at Spider-Man No Way Home. And I I'm think that's it, what I... matters most in 2021. As like we've been so cooped up, it's been such a hellish couple years. There's never an end in sight with any of this nonsense. That like we finally get to have these moments of community, and that's why House of Gucci ranks so highly for me. That's why Spider part of the reason why Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, yes, part of the reason because the story I think is that freaking good. Like we know Marvel movies will never get their due as like screenplays and stories in the zeitgeist that is the Academy, but God damn it, this one, I mean, be, how they did this behind the scenes alone should get them a screenplay nod. Candy cake, uh, how, whatever you want to want to call it. It just, it made us so happy. And mm-hmm. I, I almost regret not being as high. Like I was holding myself back during our review. Cause we were like, of course it's going to be fun. Like the yeah. last two movies are fun. All these MCU movies are fun. We had a great time. I don't know why we didn't just, you know, take off our shirts and jump out the window <laughs> uh, and join the parade. I, I don't know why we didn't do that on this one. Colby Mack actually called us out <laughs> like the week. Later. He's like, you guys should have been even higher on this. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? And I, I, I saw this movie after we reviewed it with family over Christmas for no reason other than the fact that let's just go to a movie. And it was one of the best movie experiences of my year. And, and, and definitely like it's one of those movies where there's like, no, I don't object to anything on screen. I know we had like some worse scenes where like, Oh, that's a MacGuffin. How convenient. Yeah. How audacious that they made this machine that does this. And, but I don't care. It's funny. Nah. And yeah, 
it worked and every scene is good and the great scenes are still great upon third watch and everybody's still cheering in a packed IMAX screening room on a 12 noon showing on a Sunday for Christ's sake on day 11 I can't believe, I can't get over the audiences on Spider-Man and I agree with what Pascal and Feige and and Feinberg have been saying about it as a best picture contender that we just covered in our last episode. Spider-Man No Way Home is a crowd pleaser like none other in 2021 and it might have saved movie theaters for Christ's sake. So when I look back on 2021, I'm going to look back on a movie like this and I know your pick is going to, you know, make you feel a lot of feelings and 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 be that kind of movie of the year for you, which makes some sense because you're who you are, but I, like, <laughs> like I'm gonna remember Spider-Man: No Way Home from 2021. Yeah, you're the optimist. I, I mean, it, it, I'm serious. It, it, it makes a ton of sense, and I, I co-sign. You said it beautifully. I co-sign everything you just spit out. It's definitely going to be one of the more memorable hallmarks of 2021. It's definitely the movie that is doing its part to save theaters right now more than any other film, and it's fighting against the day and date stuff, and it's fighting against COVID and. Yeah, to get it's it's very special. It's a very special movie that we got this. It would be my number one as well, except for the fact that I'm going off the beaten path with my number one. Uh, I don't so you, though. This makes sense. It's so tough to grade things like documentaries or comedy specials or anything else because like they should be well. They have to be well done to be accepted. Well, you know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know if that means that the bar is higher or lower for them vis-a-vis other films. I have no idea. I haven't been able to parse that out. All I know is that when I watched inside by Bo Burnham, I felt something like, I felt like I knew I was watching something that doesn't come around very often. And I gave it a 95, which might actually be the highest grade I've ever given anything in the time we've done MMO. Um, I, I, it got a theatrical release. Even though it didn't get a theatrical release before it's went live on streaming, so I'm cheating and putting it as my number one because it's the highest great thing of the year for me. But I, I mean, movie, I even though. rewatched. I rewatched some of it last night. It's just, yeah. it's, it's so. I don't even know what the hell it is. James A. Caster <laughs> is a British comedian who I've gotten into a lot in the last couple of weeks, and uh, mm-hmm. he was nominated at the Critics' Choice for his stand-up special. Uh, Cold Lasagna, Hate Myself, 1999. I might have that. <laughs> I might have that title mixed up. But he was on Jimmy Fallon, and I watched his interview. Or no, I'm sorry, it was Seth Meyers, and I watched his interview. And he said, "Look, I'm honored to be nominated at the Critics' Choice, and there's absolutely no pressure because I decided to release my special the same year Bo Burnham did Inside, and the last special I did, I decided to release the same year that uh, Hannah Gatsby released in the net. So I make it a point to only put out stand-up specials on years where geniuses redefined the <laughs> genre of stand-up comedy. Yeah. And I think that's just the perfect way to put it. I don't know what the hell Inside is. I know it's special, and I know it falls in line with movies should be reflections of the year that they were released. And there's no more appropriate reflection of the last couple of years than what Bo Burnham put forth in Inside for me. It was going to be the year of the musical one way or the other, Mike, right? And <laughs> look, I, I agree with you. If I, I, if I had to do this list over again from scratch and I thought of this movie and if it was on my movie watch list at all, I just don't put comedy specials on there. I don't either. I, I, would I rarely do. And and I just I was looking at my numbers and my grades on my doc and I was like, 95? What the hell was a 95? I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I completely forgot because I don't think of it as a movie and it's more a movie than like any other stand-up special that I've seen. But we watched it as a movie when it mm-hmm. came out. How did we not do a Oscars pro again? I think this is like my failing more than anything. Like we should have done a whole episode on this 
we we didn't I think you would have you would have gotten ill at the thought of me just like sitting here masturbating for an hour over what like <laughs> what he put forth because it's it's perfect. I don't know what again, I have no idea what it is, but I know it's beautiful. <laughs> You're disgusting. Number 1, <laughs> number 2, uh that would have been an uncomfortable experience. Uh especially an oh, did audio. Did you see experience. what he said about white women on Instagram? Ah. Oh! But uh, th- I've been listening to that soundtrack on Spotify. I've been li- basically listening to it. I probably listened to it a, another thirty times on Spotify. I, mean, I can't tell if you I the put number music of times on. I've listened to this to the song content. Right. I but but you got I got like a playlist, and then I got Bo Burnham downloaded on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So if I'm if I'm out on the road and I want to listen to music, I'll either either listen to my music playlist or I'll listen to I'll listen to this. So. It's that good, and it's messed up, but it's funny. You notice something different every time, and the filmmaking's top notch. I mean, look, can he be like more clothed for more of the movie? Maybe as a nitpick, but no, <laughs> no, he cannot. <laughs> I won't stand for case. it. <laughs> I uh, look. I mean, this is this is an old list. Well, it's, a, it's it's everything. Like you have the art house picks, you have the international picks, you have the animated yeah. picks, and there's definitely dude bro picks on here. I mean, there's no you know we we tell the audience all the time. We tell you, dear listener, we're gonna be honest. Like we we don't really we don't hide much of anything. We're pretty. What you see is what you get from us. And look, if a Marvel movie was one of the best movies of the year, like it has been the last couple of years, yeah. sorry, yeah. but that's how we feel, and that's. You know, we, we campaign as people who have watched and dissected these things for decades plus now. We this is just is what it is. You could take it or leave it. And the fun of it is hearing you disagree with us. Like if we're that Truly. off and you want to you want to chastise us, we're all for it. Tell us about it. Reach out to us on any of our social medias and we, we'll interact with you. And like I said at the top, I think uh, I'm going to seek out a lot of top 10 lists this year more than I usually do in my, uh, you know, fixated stubborn movie critic <laughs> pound the table arrogance the, the, mm-hmm. this year I'm, I'm i'm definitely open to more because i do agree that a lot of these movies are on the same level which makes this oscar season you know dishing out all these awards it makes it a lot more fun i think it takes the pressure year. off it too. like the emotional yeah. investment it, it's it's kind of weird i'm used to like being like ah oh, this better win and and saying a lot of asinine things as a result of it we've but, had years like that yeah and this year it's just like i can i can be satisfied with anything but belfast <laughs> <laughs> anything but the eventuality no we, we right, don't exactly. we don't believe i don't believe there's an eventuality right now i still think it's pretty wide open, and a lot a lot of races are wide open. So I think that's a lot of fun. Like I said, and and yeah, give us your top ten list. We'll we'll gladly retweet those. That'll be the words of wisdom sure. for me today. Uh, send it to us on our film Twitter at my mm and Oscar, and uh, we'll retweet your list. Uh, we'll get them out there. There you go. And as far as contacting us on other places, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Mike just said at MMN Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com, and on Reddit. Send us your list. Send us your thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. Uh, I Yeah, good job, Mike. You stole my bit. Tell the good people what's coming next. You already gave the words of wisdom. So the Scream miniseries is coming next. <laughs> we can't help. Pivoting but- hard. <laughs> Yeah, pivoting hard to the Scream film that is re- released in Dumptuary 2022. Uh, I am not I am uh, not expecting a good movie, but here's what I am expecting. I'm expecting a fun miniseries because we've had some of them our most fun talking about shit movies. I don't know what this is going to be. I don't but, I don't know why you're bringing that up when we're talking about Scream, but go ahead. <laughs> 
I don't like the implication get, there at all. We get to review Screams 1 and 2 in the next episode, and then we'll re- review Screams 3 and 4. I don't know if it'll be the subsequent episode after that, but we're going to do a three-episode miniseries on the five Scream movies. Uh, we're we're going to, you know, talk about Jackass Forever and the Batman as additional movie events in mm-hmm. uh, February and March. So we cannot escape those. I think we we may have one more Oscar profile in Cyrano, but maybe maybe we'll do Drive My Car. Maybe we'll do uh, we'll pivot to a hero. I'm leaving us our schedule a little bit open in January for sure. Uh, we don't have the back to back to back award shows this year. It's a little strange. Things are it is it clustered. is strange. Yeah, it is strange. But we'll have a lot of Oscar race checkpoints. We'll have a lot of uh, Oscar season programming. That I said at the top of the show is stuff that we always look forward to. Our Oscar Monday nomination reactions, our Oscar bets show, our final preview and then certainly our category overview pods where we have expert guests so we got to start booking guests mike nothing more ox uh nothing more oscar adjacent than the scream miniseries though i can tell you that right now <laughs> first things first priorities <laughs> yeah scream miniseries yes. gotta happen uh happy new year thank you one and all once again for a memorable 2021 we hope to give you reasons to keep tuning in and keep listening in 2022 uh guys when reality sucks you can start the new new year fresh with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya